Today, the beginning of the Advent, the candle that we lit symbolized hope. Everybody say hope. And so, our message this morning is going to surround that hope. It's been an unusual year, and there are many that are at home today online watching, and we greet you and pray that you're safe and well. When you face situations that you've never faced before, and you're making decisions that you've never had to make before concerning what you do and how you do it, it gives you pause to stop and think, doesn't it? Things that we took for granted just did automatically. Now there's a lot more of a thought process that goes into it. And we have to stop and consider. I thought about all that in the preparation of this message. And I thought about the shift that we've seen and the things that are taking place. And so... I've entitled the message today, It's Time to Wake Up. Would you say that with me? It's time to wake up. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and for your spirit. I ask God that you would speak to us today. God, I yield myself to you and ask that I might decrease so you can increase. God, give us your direction today, and we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's say it one more time. It's time to wake up. Let me read for you Proverbs, the sixth chapter, starting with the ninth verse. This is in the NLT version. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. 
I thought that, that scripture is no reflection on you. What I'm, I thought about how easy it is to get lulled into a routine, a comfort zone, if you will, so that we are, find ourselves kind of in a stupor. How many of you have ever been driving a car before and your eyes were open, but you really weren't awake? I had a guy, when I, I met a young girl several years ago and was spending a little too much time at her house and then happened to get up early and drive. I was going to Missouri to see her, if that gives you any idea who the girl was. And I was driving back up to southern Illinois, and I remember one morning I was on my way back. I, had, uh, I was in college. I was on my way back, and <laughs> I'd been up late the night before. And all of a sudden, I, I was in my Jeep, and I was driving, and I, I had fallen asleep. I'm going down the interstate with my eyes closed, and when I opened my eyes, there was a car beside me and a guy looking like this at me. He, he just, he, he came right up beside me and he was like, man, are you? And I thought, oh, I need to wake up. Anybody ever do that? You know, going down the road, man, sticking your hand out the window. It was raining one night. I was driving, trying to get back from a revival. Rain as I was slapping myself in the face, and I thought, I'm going to be black and blue before I get home, and I'm beating myself up. And I thought, you know, there's just something about the need to be alert that's important. Everybody say, wake up. I thought about what happened with Israel. Israel becomes a nation because of a promise to one man. And it happens. God brings the promise to pass. Israel becomes a nation. But then all of a sudden, Israel starts getting a little lax in following after God. And they end up in captivity. A nation by the name of Babylon take, carries them away into captivity. And they would stay there for 70 years. Everybody say 70 years. Why? Because they had taken God for granted. Their worship and sacrifice had just become an empty routine. And God even warned them about this. Look in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 11. What makes you think, this is God speaking, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meanings. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Keep in mind, this is under the law. God is speaking to a people that are under the law, but the problem is, is everyone forgot what the law was for. The law could never save you. The law was simply to point out to you how much you needed God. Anybody ever get pulled over? Going a little too 
fast behind the wheel and you get pulled over and then you get upset with the man that pulled you over because you were breaking the law. How's that work out for you? <laughs> I can't believe you pulled me over when well, you were doing 15 miles over the speed. That's beside the point. And sometimes that was the attitude that Israel was taking toward God. God kept warning them. He kept talking to them. But they were just like, well, I don't understand this. Why am, why am I in trouble? How many of you parents have ever had your children pull the stunt? I don't, how come I'm in trouble? All my friends do it. My son brought a friend home one day, spending the night. The friend talked him into slipping out of the house after dark. I checked the room. Window was open. I got in the car and went looking. My son spotted my car. He said to his friend, oh, man, we need to get home now. They got home. I pulled in. They tried to act like they'd been there all the time. Gig is up. I looked at his friend, and I said, son, the best thing you can do is go home. It took him about two seconds to get his stuff and head out. Because I wasn't his daddy. If I had been his daddy, he's getting ready to get what my son was getting ready to get. Why did you do that to your son? Because I loved him. Because I loved him. If I didn't love him, I wouldn't even went and looked for him. Do you understand that that's why God comes after us? That's why he comes looking for us. That's why he refuses to let us go. It's not anger. It's, not, it's love that's driving him after us. He's wanting our attention. My son told me later, I explained to him why he was going to get the spanking first. But you're going to get it. <laughs> Here's the reason why. God kept laying out for them the reason why. I thought about this. I thought about all the warning and them just flying in the face of the warning. I thought about years later, my son came to me and he said, Dad, he said, do you remember when I got in trouble over that? And I said, yeah, I remember. That young man's life had went into chaos. And he said, I see now why you did that. Now, thankfully, that young man now is preaching the gospel. But how many of you know that we go through a lot of stuff we wouldn't have to go through if we just listened? Turn around, at your, turn around, look at your neighbor. You wanted to do this all your life. Look at your neighbor and go, would you listen to me? <laughs> just, just listen. Just listen. Listen, watch this. God warns them, Isaiah 1 and 11. Listen to what God says. I'm sorry, I already read that. So God warns them, but Israel won't hear it, right? Now look at Isaiah 65 and 1. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. 
I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. Wow. God ready to respond, wanting to help, but no one asking for it. We have a Burger King syndrome in this nation. Have it your way. Have it your way. You remember it. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. I got news for you. You're going to eat what's on the burger at my house. What are, you, what are you saying? God isn't coming to you to seek your advice. He doesn't need your counsel. He knows what you have need of before you pray. And what he's looking for is someone that will come to him and ask for some help. Yeah. Help. Somebody say it. Help. You listen to the Beatles. We don't want to listen to God. Help. He's there ready to help us. But Israel's been lulled to sleep by her prosperity, no longer seeking God, only going through the motions. And all of a sudden, we've reached that point where we're rocked into apathy. It can become a dangerous place to be. Sounds a little bit like our nation, doesn't it? Where we were... Listen to the words of a president. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. President Abraham Lincoln spoke that to a nation that was torn and divided. A nation up until the war broke out had everything going its way. And then chaos hit. Not unlike where we are now, at the beginning of this year, everything seemed normal. Nothing seemed that extraordinarily out of place, and then all of a sudden, it happened. God's intent is not to completely destroy, but to wake up. Say it one more time, wake up. Roll the clip.
o'clock in the morning. Come on, Barney. We got a long drive ahead of us. Up you go. For heaven's sakes, Barney, will you wake up? Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> Barney. 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 Barney, listen. Barney. Barney. Uh, will you listen to me? <laughs> it's four o'clock in the morning and we got to get going up in the mountains. Maybe <sighs> 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 you sure are a hard one to wake up. Will you wake up? Okay. Strange, isn't it, that everything he tried didn't work. All the noise that was around him could not wake him. But there was a sound that he was intent to, that he, it was like that his, his mind was looking for that sound and that his spirit knew that a snap of a finger and it registered with him. It was what it took to wake him up. All the yelling, all the screaming, all the slapping, all the whistle blowing could not get his attention. And with a snap of a finger, he's awake. Well, pastor, what's that got to do with us? Welcome to 2020. With everything that was going on in the world, with all the prosperity that we had experienced as a church, and I'm talking about worldwide, we had gotten complacent, we got lulled into snapping, we were going through all the forms of it, we were doing all the stuff, but our spirit wasn't really in tune with what he was trying to say to us. With all that going on, we could not hear anything, and then with a snap of a finger, a virus hits, the church begins to wake up and recognize it's time to hear what God is is saying when all of a sudden government started saying you can't worship we're going to shut you down the supreme court just now ruled that you're not allowed to open up a bar and tell a church they've got to stay closed that you're not allowed to allow costco to be open and shut the church down if you can be arm in arm at a at a filling station if you can be arm in arm in a grocery store don't tell me to lock my doors it ain't happening it's time to wake up. It's time for us to recognize that God is our hope, that God is our help, that he alone is the one that makes the difference. We've been rocked and lulled into an apathy that God is saying, it's over. He drew a line this year, and he said, get on one side or get on the other, but you better wake up because I'm coming through. Everybody say, wake up. There's a sound that resonates with our spirit to awaken hope within us. Hope. Everything that Israel went through 
wasn't to wipe them out. It was to wake up hope in them. They forgot the God that had done this for them. You remember me telling you a week or so ago that the United States and Israel are like a type and shadow of each other. Israel starts with a promise to one man. America started because there were people that were looking for a promise from one God. Both exist despite insurmountable odds, not because of our ingenuity or our cleverness or our quick-wittedness, but because of God. He wants to wake up the hope that's in us. Jeremiah 29, 11 said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Everybody say, all your heart. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt different intensities of your prayer? Have you ever noticed that there are times, I mean, we all pray, right? We, or we ought to. Every day, a time that we set aside with God. I've noticed that those levels of intensity seem to increase the more I recognize I need him. Let a phone call come. Let someone get sick. Go to work and get handed a pink slip and find out if all of a sudden your prayer doesn't become more intent and more in tune. He said, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. When I met Debbie, I didn't walk up to her and say, hey, baby, you want to get married? She'd have wrote me off. She'd have handed me a pink slip. <laughs> She'd have said, hit the road, Jack. You don't need to come back no more, no more, no more. Why? Because she knew that I wasn't being real, that I was trying to be cool, I was trying to be slick. You didn't ever think we could do that with a God, right? Isaiah said it happened. He talked about, he said, man, he said, you guys come and you offer up sacrifices that are like a dog's head to me. And said, then, then you look at each other and you say, oh, don't get too close to me because I'm too holy. I always prayed, I said, God, let me be real. I don't need a plastic religion. I don't need a what-not shelf God. I need the real thing. Somebody say it with me, let it be real. That's what God was 
wanting. That's what he was desiring. They'd gotten just in a routine. How many of you have ever gotten in a routine before? Be honest. Have you ever gotten in a routine where it's just, you know, the same thing? i never forget I was preaching a camp meeting years ago, and one of my messages, I came to the, I, I came to the front of the podium, and I whipped out a can of shaving cream, started, put it all over my face and started shaving. Place broke up. I said, I don't know what so what you're all getting so wound up about, what you're all getting so excited about. I do this every day. It's just a routine to me. But you see, I wasn't doing it according to the routine. We need to get the church out of the building and let God be God in us. We, I, I think about this. I think about, man, when they said, you got to shut down, we said, we're going to the parking lot. We're going we gonna to praise God. You know what I found out? We were reaching more people in the parking lot. We had over 100 cars pulling into that parking lot and listening. And then we tuned in. We might got a, an apparatus and we got on FM radio. I was a DJ. We were doing it on the radio. People miles from here were hearing us sitting out on their porch. We had folks driving down all the way from St. Louis. And I'm not talking about cat. We had, we had people coming down all the way from St. Louis to hear what was going on. And they pulled in. They said, we heard about you. We heard about this. Do you know why? Because it wasn't just routine anymore. We got the church out of the four walls. And we said, if they say you can't come in we're going out you've got to get into we somebody say it wake up you know man if I if I come James can I borrow you a second if you would just lay down and go to sleep so he's sleeping I, I come in and his house is on fire and I come in I say James James house is on fire and he he just, he, he, just, he just keeps laying there and said, oh, thank you. Thank you for waking me up. James, you don't understand. The house is on fire. You need to get up. Come on and go with me. Get up. And he's going, oh, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I just want to get some sleep. I need to rest. What are you going to do? Well, you're either going to pull him up and say, you don't understand. Your house is on fire, and I'm not going to leave you in here to burn and then you start carrying them out. You've got to start saying, God, stir up a gift inside of me that'll cause me to do extraordinary things. I'm not telling everybody to run outside and go grab somebody off the sidewalk and throw them over your shoulder and bring them in here. But it wouldn't hurt. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's time for us to step outside of our box and to wake up to the fact that God is trying to get our attention. If you're waiting for things to go back to as usual, you won't be waiting a long time. This is the day that God has spoke of. He's coming back. Everybody say it with me. He's coming back. And I want to be ready. Go ahead and say it. I want to be ready. You don't hear people much talk about him coming back anymore. Oh, don't talk about him coming back. We're having too much fun. Don't talk about him coming back. You know, I'm not ready for him to come back. That's the whole thing is we've got to be ready. Everybody say, be ready. 
You've got to, and you can't be ready. There's one thing I found out my wife taught me after 39 years of marriage. She is not going to be ready unless she's awake first. I can't, I cannot let Debbie sleep in if we got someplace to go. Matter of fact, it, I found out it works out a lot better if I let her know that we need to be there about 30 minutes before we actually have to be there because it keeps frustration out of our life. Right? What's the one thing you can't stand me to do? Thank you. To honk your horn. To be out in the car. It's, can I get a witness in here? To be, to be out in the car honking your horn. Well, that's just rude. Geese do it all the time, and I never hear them complain. And do you know why geese honk their horns? They're encouraging the head goose. You can do it. You can do it. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, and she said, it don't work. Matter of fact, she looked out the door at me one time. She said, the more you honk, the longer it's going to take. So, I see all you ladies clapping. I understand where that's going. So, I learned a lesson. Wake up, man. Quit trying to fight against that and just plan for it. He's coming back. We've got to, we've got to quit acting like it's not going to happen. Do you understand? That's the hope that's within us. Everybody say that hope. There's a sound that quickens us. That causes us to respond. I know that Jeremiah 29 was written for Israel, but today he's speaking to us. This whole year has been a reset for the church to wake up. Not a time to give up hope, it's a time to seize it. Everybody say, seize hope. Listen to Romans 4 and 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. In this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Say it with me. He can do what he promises it says that he he kept hoping it was a reason for his hope when everybody else was saying it'll never happen he didn't quit hoping matter of fact the word hope there in greek means to anticipate have a confident expectation everybody say i have confidence in the hope that God brings. I'm anticipating something. I'm expecting something. Everybody say expecting. Have any of you ladies ever been expecting? It'll make you walk different. You know what always amazed me? is when a lady first becomes expectant. When she's not showing, they get these big maternity tops and put on. And they walk around like, can you tell? 
Why? Because they're, they're excited about it. They're, they know that something's getting ready to happen. But let that rock on for a few months. And by the ninth month, coming around, they're not walking around going, hey, I'm expecting to, I'm so ready for this baby to come. What are you getting at? I'm getting at, look, we've been carrying something for a while, and God is saying, you've got to be ready to deliver. You need to have confidence that what I spoke to you is going to come, and it's going to come at the right time. Everybody say, the right time. I thought about when I, I was, I'd given my heart to God, and I sat on pew, and I was going to church, and I remember being in services when missionaries would come in, and I would hear about the stuff that they were doing, and something would ache in my heart. I think, God, I wish I could do that. Evangelist would come through, and he'd be preaching, and something would ache in my heart. And I thought, I wish I could do that. Well, what was that aching? It was something that he had planted in me that I didn't even realize at the time. It was a seed that he had sown. It was the hope that he had put in me. And what he was doing was he was trying to give it life. He was trying to get it to grow in me so I wouldn't just look at it and blow it off like it was no big deal. And the more it grew, the more, the bigger I got with expectation, the more I knew I had to deliver until finally I went and quit a job and said, I've got to do this. I can't go on like this anymore. Hear me. We've got to quit hiding behind our doors, and we've got to take this into the street. We've got to share with every individual that not only is God alive, not only is he well, but he's coming back. Oh, well, they won't believe it. Tell it anyway. They won't receive it. Share it anyway. You've got to let God wake up the hope that's in you. Listen to this, Psalms 146 and 5. Happy, everybody say happy. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Everybody say happy. You're happy when your hope is in the Lord. The word happy there means to go forward, to prosper, to guide, to lead, and to relieve. What are you saying? When you're happy in your hope. What's your problem? <laughs> I'm excited about God. <laughs> I can tell some of you don't have a problem. <laughs> What are you saying? I'm saying that when you get excited, look, I had a guy come up to me when I was working a, a secular job. He walked up to me and he said, you quit, stop right where you're at. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, every time, Rick, every time you start talking about God, your voice changes and you get this wild look in your eye. Something ought to happen. I said, something ought to happen. I've had a lot of people talk to me about God that acted like they didn't even like him. Are, am, are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Do you understand that God is saying, I've planted something in you. There's a hope down in there, and I'm trying to stir that hope up and let it come forth. Happy is he whose hope is in the Lord. When you're happy, you're going to lead. You're going to guide, and you're going to relieve those that have no hope. How many of you have ever been around someone that was real positive? Wave your hand if you've been around someone real positive. How many of you have ever been around someone real negative? How's that make you feel? I'm thinking about, he, he's given us a hope. I, I thought about the story about the, the, two, the couple that had two kids. One was a pessimist and one was an optimist. Christmas time was coming around and they were trying to balance these kids out. And so they thought, look, we, we need to help our child that's so pessimistic. So we're going to get him a new bike for Christmas. And the child that's optimistic, well, I don't, let's not give him something good because, man, you know how he gets excited and we don't want his brother to feel like, you know, that he's got the short end of the stick. So they wrapped up horse manure for the optimistic child. Christmas came around, the pessimist unwrapped his bike and saw it and said, I'll just get a flat. Spokes look like they're spindly. I'll probably break them. This thing probably never lasts. I'll probably have a wreck on it. And they're thinking, oh, man. So the optimistic child started to unwrap his gift, and his parents were going, well, at least he's not going to be excited. All of a sudden, that kid started jumping up and down and screaming. They looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? He said, there's a pony around here somewhere. It's about how you view life, how you perceive life. If you wake up and you say, you know what, it's going to be a horrible day, welcome to that world because that's what you're going to have. But if you wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it, then my friend, that's what you're going to have. It's time to wake up hope. When we wake hope up, it changes everything. Paul said, if in this life only I have hope of Christ, I'm of all men most miserable. How many of you know, look, we've heard this all our life, Jesus is coming. But over the last month, I've shared with you messages about signs and seasons that point specifically to the fact that not only is he's coming, and I'm not going to say he's coming soon because that's not how he's coming. He's coming quickly. That's what Revelation said. He's coming quickly. Do you know what that means? When someone comes over to your house soon, you've got time to clean it up. But when he comes quickly, you look out the door and they're in your driveway. You don't have time to clean anything up. That's how he's coming, quickly. We ought to be excited about that. The only reason you wouldn't be excited, maybe a couple reasons you wouldn't be excited, is because you're not ready. The other reason you might not be excited is because you haven't told anybody. I'm telling you, I'd hate to think that he comes and there was someone that he was dealing with me to talk to and I just never did it. Everybody say, hope. I want you to listen to this scripture. This is in Romans 18 and 22. 
That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until at the same moment, I'm sorry, God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. Everybody say Christmas. Anybody put up a Christmas tree yet? Anybody wrap any gifts yet? You got any kids that are wanting to look in the gifts? Joyful anticipation deepens. You remember what it was like when you were a kid at Christmas? There's gifts underneath there. I had a Christmas man that was wonderful. Well, I had a few that were, but, you know, this, I was a kid, and there was this great big box. Under the tree had my name on it. I was so excited to find, to, you know, for, for Christmas to come so I could open it up. My anticipation was deepening. I had a brother that had a problem. Daryl couldn't help himself. He said, do you want to know what's in that box? I said, no, I don't. I didn't want to know. That was part of the anticipation for me is finding out, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. You sure you don't want to know? No, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. It's a pinball machine. It just, now hear me. God is putting a joy in us that should be deepening, that should be getting, we ought to be getting more excited with each passing day. If we're not, it's because we're focused on the wrong thing. I had to take Fox News off my phone because I was always touching it to see what the headlines were, and the headlines were not bringing me joy. So I just thought, you know what, I just need to get rid of this. I talked to Debbie about this. I said, man, there, I feel like God is trying to get me to focus, and there's so many things that are trying to rob our focus. Do you understand? There is something that happened this year to the church that God has drawn the line, and he's trying to get our attention, and he's saying, stay focused, or you're going to miss this. We need to let God know that we're paying attention and let the world know that he's coming. Everybody say he's coming. It says that the joyful, with, meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within we're also feeling the birth pains. Everybody say, it's about to come forth. Would you stand with me? One thing I, I found out about when you're having a baby, it can be painful. Have you ever had a baby? No, but she has. 
I'm in there in the room encouraging her like a good husband ought to. I'm telling her, come on, babe, breathe with me, breathe with me. Doing everything that I know to do, you know, and she's in a lot of pain. So breathe with me, breathe with me. She looked at me and she said, oh, shut up. Why, she didn't want to hear that. She just wants to have this child. Folks are tired of religious platitudes. They're tired of all the religious jargon. And they just want to have the baby. They just want God to birth in them what he promised he was going to. And you may be a little uncomfortable, but that just means that we're right on the verge of the child coming. I believe that their own, that, here, here's what I think, folks. I believe that he's coming and he's coming quickly. But I believe that God is giving us a window of opportunity to wake up. I believe he's trying to stir our hearts to let the world know Jesus is alive and well. What lengths would you go to to get someone out of a house that's going to burn down around them? What lengths should we be willing to go to to let the world know he saves, delivers, and heals? I want you, if you would, just to stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Doris is in the building with us today. We've been praying for her. For those of you that may not be aware, Doris lost her husband just before Thanksgiving. He left quickly. I talked to her shortly after that, and we talked about this hope that I'm talking about today. When you understand that hope, you recognize that you're not losing anything here. If your hope is in God, you've got a reason to be happy. How many have you met? How many have you seen that seem hopeless? You have the ability, the possibility of being able to breathe hope into them, but you can't give what you don't have. And so it's got to start here first. Everybody say, with me. So God, I'm asking you to stir up that hope that's within me and let it live. Somebody shout it with me. Live. Live. Let hope live. Rachel, come here a minute. <laughs> Did I tell you what I was going to preach today? Stand up here. Come, come up here. Now keep facing me. So we didn't talk, right? Okay, turn around. Hope. He'll bring it to you in the most unusual ways. You may feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and look up and some young lady will have a shirt that says hope on it, reminding you that your hope is not gone. Your hope is secure. Thank you. 
So this is what I want you. I want you to stretch your hands right where you're at. I want you to get ready because God is going to use you as an agent. If you'll let him. Hold those hands up. God, we come to you today asking you to stir up the gift that you've placed within us. Remind us of that hope that doesn't make us ashamed. God, let us embrace it. Let us quit taking steps backward and begin to step forward and lead because happy is a man whose hope is in the Lord. Let us lead this world and show them a brighter light, a hope beyond this life. I praise you for it, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I want to leave you with a scripture. It's Proverbs 23 and 18. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. I don't know what will happen to this earthly body, but I can tell you one thing for sure. It'll never cut off my hope in him. It'll never cut off my hope. We're here after something. And what we're after ought to be him. And when we're after him, the here meets there and comes together in one moment. How many of you ready for it to come together in your hearts? Stretch those hands to heaven with me right now and say, use me, God. Use me. This isn't about me getting a blessing. This isn't about me being touched. This is about you using me to stir the world around me. Let it be said of me that they turn the world upside down. Let it be said of me, God, that everywhere I went, I talked of your goodness, of your grace, of your power, and your love. I'm not looking for a way out. <laughs> I'm looking for the way up in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise right now. Make way through the waters, walk me through the 